you know a spot. But not just a spot. The spot. Actually, with the 2023 Nissan Frontier, you know a bunch of them. But the key to these great spots? Being able to reach them in the first place. Your spot is out there. Find your Frontier in the 2023 Nissan Frontier with standard 310 horsepower, advanced tech, and 281 pound-feet of torque. AT&T connects an ode to podcast. Connect the alarm, change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze, 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower, lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work and traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Got my Prevnar 20 shot. It's a pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. For us, wise folks, it helps protect. I'm 19, strong. And asthmatic, and at higher risk, get vaccinated. But, but nothing when grandma speaks. Grandson listens. 19 or older with chronic conditions like asthma, diabetes, or chronic heart disease, or 65 plus, you may be at higher risk for pneumococcal pneumonia. Prevnar 20 can help protect you with just one dose. Prevnar 20 is approved for adults to help prevent infections from 20 strains of the bacteria that cause pneumococcal pneumonia. Continued approval may depend on a supportive study. Don't get Prevnar 20 if you've had a severe allergic reaction to the vaccine or its ingredients. Adults with weakened immune systems may have a lower response to the vaccine. Side effects include pain and swelling at the injection site, fatigue, headache, muscle, and joint pain. For full prescribing information, please call 1-855-213-2138 or visit Prevnar 20.com. Ask your doctor or pharmacist about getting vaccinated with Prevnar 20, even if you've already received another pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. Before we begin this week's episode, please make sure to leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. You can only do this if you're listening to this on an iPhone. So please make sure to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Please, five-star reviews only. Hold me down. Don't hold me up. Merch is now available on the site as well as my book list, so please visit the link in the show notes below. If you would like to support the PSG podcast, please sign up at www.patreon.com forward slash the PSG podcast. Thank y'all so much for holding the kid down, and I really do hope that y'all enjoyed this week's episode as much as I did. Later. Welcome. You are now listening to... The professional. homegirls and niggas it's the kid ebony from the phg podcast the only place where you will hear interviews from black women anonymously on stories that would enlighten and expand on taboo topics now if you hear someone that sounds familiar mind the business that pays you child if you like the phg podcast please rate review and subscribe on apple Podcasts. please five star reviews only hold me down don't hold me up Merch is now available on the site as well as my book list, so please make sure to visit the link in the show notes below.
You can connect with the kid on Instagram at the Professional Home Girl and at the PSG Podcast. If you are on Twitter, please follow me at the PSG Podcast. If you are all caught up with episodes, please listen to bonus episodes by supporting the PSG Podcast Patreon account. To support, please visit www.patreon.com forward slash the PSG Podcast. Now, please keep in mind that all of my guests are anonymous, so let's begin this week's episode. So I am super excited about this week's guest. We have been friends for a very long time since our college days at the Tennessee State. I know, right? (laughs) And I am so proud of all of her accomplishments, as well as being thankful for her for taking the time out of her busy schedule to be a guest on the show. So to my guests, how are you doing? I am good. Thanks for having me, Ebene. I'm excited. I know. I'm excited, too. Like, we was catching up before we started the uh, <laughs> the interview. Yeah. Uh, how has the Panini Press been treating you? Um, It's been okay, I guess. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, before we begin, can you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so as you've already mentioned, um, I attended Tennessee State University for undergrad. Um, I studied chemistry there, and um, oh, I you went did on study chemistry. Yeah, I was like, girl, <laughs> yeah, crazy, right? And the thing mm-hmm. is, I hated science in high school, and then I ended up being a chemistry major, just crazy. Um, but my strong points were always math and science. Despite me not really caring for science, I was strong in the subject. So, um, I studied chemistry at Tennessee State, got my bachelor's in chemistry. And then I went on to pharmacy school um, in my home state, and now I'm a practicing pharmacy. I'm actually a pharmacy supervisor for a hospital here. Um, I've been in this role for a little over six months, but I've been a pharmacist for a little over four years. Nice, nice. So did you think the pandemic was going to last as long? Absolutely not. So a short story. Um Obviously, I'm sure a lot of people can relate, but I had a really, really um, big trip planned in Mm. April of 2020. And it's something that I haven't planned for for a long time. It was like the furthest that I was going to travel. I was supposed to be going to South Africa with a group of people. Mm. And it was scheduled for the first or second week in April. Um, And so obviously we heard about coronavirus, I think roughly around January, February, but it hadn't hit the U.S. or at least it hadn't hit, hit us hard. Um, yeah, and then of course by March, you know, we were in full mode like lockdown in certain states. Um, and then there was this whole question on whether or not we were going to be able to travel. I know there were people that were overseas, and there was question on whether or not they were going to be able to get back. And ultimately, South Africa um, closed their borders to us. But like, I still intended on going. So like, <laughs> when the shutdown happened in March, I'm like, okay, well, we'll give them 30 days, let them figure this out, so I can go on my trip. Right. And here we are almost a year later. And I mean, it's still kind of up in the air on how long we're going to be dealing with the pandemic. So I have a feeling we're going to be in this pandemic for the rest of the year. Yeah. Like I have that conversation um, with, you know, relatives and colleagues all the time and friends all the time. Like it's crazy. Less than a year ago, I was thinking like, oh, you know, when they figure things out so we can get back to normal. But I'm like, this is the new normal. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I don't think if I don't think we'll ever have a quote unquote solution to the problem that is coronavirus. Mm-hmm. I think we'll learn how to better live through it. And then of course, you know, now with the vaccine, you know, um different ways to prevent it and live cautiously. 
Um, but I don't think it'll ever go away. Right. Like, I think this is the normal. I, I can't see myself ever really shaking anybody's hand anymore. You know what I mean? So, girl. Wait, so, so much has changed. Did you have COVID-19? No. So I've never tested positive for COVID-19. I am like, I'm sure a number of people where I feel like I may have had it, mm-hmm. um, but I didn't have any symptoms, you know, strong enough. I wasn't exposed to anybody that would uh, lead me to need to go get tested. Um, I have gotten tested just because I I did do a little bit of traveling. So just for my own comfort and, of course, to protect those that I'm around at work and family, um, I've gotten tested and I've yet to test positive. Mm-hmm. Who's to say? Like there was a time like in the spring where I thought I had coronavirus. And, of course, the tests, there weren't as many tests then. And so they weren't testing everybody like you literally had to be near death to get tested. Right. Um, but I've never actually tested positive. And I mean, of course, I'm still healthy um, by the grace of God. So, no. Yeah. To my knowledge, I have not had COVID-19. That was so um, funny that you said that because I was talking to a guest from a different episode. And before it became serious in the U.S. by January, February, in December, what was that, 2019? Mm-hmm. I was sick yep. as a dog. And I, was, and I always yes. get sick like once a year. Because I hardly ever get sick, but sick. But that one time I do get sick, I'm sick. But that sick was a different type of sick. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep, same for me in November of 2019. And I, I literally had to leave work in the middle of the day because, like, I me was too. Like, in sweats, my heart was racing. I was feeling like you know nauseous, like out of like literally out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Um, by the time I made it to urgent care, I was literally throwing up all over their office. Um, not necessarily. I guess that's not a symptom of COVID 19, but I all my other symptoms were um and they're like oh you have the flu we you know we're certain you have the flu we'll get you swabbed for the flu and I'm sitting there and you know they're like trying to figure out what's going on wrong with me and my test for the flu came back negative and they're just like we just think it's just a virus and they literally had no answer for me and I was pissed I'm like I'm paying you guys a 40 dollar copay Oh, but man. yeah, and I'm like, who's to say? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, was this your first time ever receiving a vaccine? Oh no, no. So I work in the healthcare field. Um, for us, the at work, technically, the flu shot is required. Mm-hmm. Um, unless you have some sort of excuse, so whether it's medical or religious excuse, you have to submit that documentation. If you choose not to take the flu shot, just you know historically um you are required to wear a mask throughout the entire flu season so i get the flu shot every year i'm very much so pro vaccination mm-hmm. um and then like for pharmacy school we were required to be up to date on all of our vaccinations um my mom whatever the doctor told her i needed she never really you know went against so i got all of my childhood um vaccinations all of the series that are recommended so i am pretty up to date on my vaccinations i actually got a vaccine in March, I want to say, in preparation for my trip to South Africa. Um, so yeah, I'm vaccinated up. Oh yeah, because you have to get a shot before you go to South Africa. Go to Africa. Yep. So depending on what part of Africa you're going to, there's different vaccines that are recommended. So I was due for a booster on my tetanus shot, which is recommended if you're going to South Africa. Um, just What's a booster? Speaking. Can you explain what a booster is? Yep. Yep. So whenever you're vaccinated, um, oh, this is gonna be kind of technical. So essentially, you <laughs> receive a vaccine so that your body can respond and produce antibodies mm-hmm. to fight off the real virus. 
And so, mm-hmm. um, and those vaccines come in different forms. Some are live, some are inactivated. And then you have the unique um, situation with COVID-19 where it's an mRNA vaccine, which is a little different. But nonetheless, all of them are designed to um, promote a immune response. So your body pr- produces these antibodies so that when your body comes into contact with the real virus, it'll have the antibodies that are necessary to fight it off. Mm-hmm. Um and so certain after studies, and of course, this is like years of studies, um, they kind of determine what level of antibody your body needs to be responsive to the virus. Mm-hmm. So there are some um, diseases and ultimately um, vaccines that require a booster after so many years because your there um, theoretically the level of antibodies that you have is no longer therapeutic um, to amount of response needed to fight off whatever said disease so um, with tetanus you get your childhood series I can't remember what ages you get the initial um, vaccines at mm-hmm. I'm assuming older than one um, but probably less than maybe um, school age so probably less than four and then it is technically required that you get a booster every 10 years and again that was determined after years of studies that determined most people after 10 years yeah they they may still have some antibodies but based on the titers that they draw to kind of determine that um they ultimately determined that you need a booster to amount you know to get your body your antibody level back to the amount that would actually um respond appropriately if you were introduced to said disease Mm. for example tetanus and so for me um in a lot of states they have a registry where you can pull up all of the information so all of your childhood vaccines everything that you've received um technically your doctor's office or if you get these vaccines at a pharmacy they're supposed to update that information into that database and so uh when i went to go see an infectious disease specialist about what vaccines i needed to go to south africa she was able to pull that information up and determine that i was due for my 10-year booster for tetanus and so i got it last year technically i won't need it again for another 10 years Mm -hmm. um Unless, this is a caveat, um, the other time that you need a booster, they recommend um, anytime someone is pregnant and like said family is expected to be around children under the age of one, they also recommend everyone in that family get a booster too. Mm. Yep. So um, definitely need a booster for tetanus. Um, I'm trying to think of another vaccine that's a routine vaccine that you need a booster for years later. Um there are a number of vaccines that you get series. So um, I feel like I haven't had a shot in a minute. (laughs) Yeah, because, you know, we get most of them. And that's the thing there's, you know, and I respect everyone's decision to do what they feel is best for their own health. Um, But you have a lot of people that are anti-vaccinations. And um, the crazy thing is, and they feel that way more specifically towards whether or not they feel comfortable with their children getting vaccines. But like if they were to go back and look at the database, their chances are, especially if they're our age, they probably got all of the recommended vaccines when they were kids. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, aside from the flu shot, you haven't had a need to become vaccinated because you're likely already fully vaccinated. Right. Um and again, the only vaccine that I can think of off the top of my head that requires a 10-year booster technically is the tetanus shot. Mm. So when you told your friends and family that you was getting the vaccine, what were their reactions? Well, so I'll be transparent. So I work at pharmacy, <laughs> um, obviously. Um, and I, the world in general, with everything that's going on with the pandemic, we've been watching all of the talk about the vaccine. I think 
I probably was introduced to some more um, information a little bit sooner than other individuals, mm-hmm. just like the layperson because of the field that I work in. And obviously I have a background in the subject. And so I know the process that it takes to develop a drug or a vaccine. And I know how long that process usually takes. Um, I'm very much so pro-science and pro-vaccination, but I was definitely hesitant. I had some reservations about getting this vaccine because um, although there is data to support that it's effective, you know, and this is early on, they're like, oh yeah, we might potentially have something here. I know how long it takes to get safety data. And What's so safety data? Just, so whenever you are developing a drug or vaccine, it goes through different phases. One, they kind of go through like the theoretical phase where they're like literally just on the drawing board, um, drawing molecules theoretically just based on the design of the virus. Um, in this case, um, these are the different molecules that could potentially, you know, combat the virus. And this is why we think so. So it's kind of like the brainstorming phase. Um, and then they start doing testing. Usually that testing is like animal testing um, or I'm trying to think another way they, they do testing before they introduce it to humans. But then they, it goes through, you know, usually years almost of just, you know, animal testing. And so with the animal testing, they're checking the efficacy to see, okay, this is what we thought would work. Let's actually put it to, to work and see if it actually does what we think that it's going right. to do. Once they start to see that it does what they think that it's going to do, then they move on to testing it in people. And it's usually a smaller population of people, usually volunteers that like just want extra cash or, you know, are just gung-ho um, supportive of science. And once they start testing it in, in, in people, they're testing one to see that it's effective and two, they're testing safety. So with safety, they're testing to see if there are going to be any side effects to mm-hmm. it short-term and long-term and so obviously short-term you should see right away like if they give someone a shot and all of a sudden this person breaks out in hives well we know and say they do it in a hundred people and out of a hundred people 10 of those people break out in hives well we know that this is a common side effect of this potential Mm -hmm. drug so now we need to assess whether or not the risk of this side effect is greater than the benefit of it actually working to do whatever we need it to do But then the long-term side effects are the things that um, after you receive this drug or you receive this vaccine, um, months later, years later, decades later, what what potential side effects could you see in the individuals that receive this said drug or this vaccine? But you're not going to know until years later. Exactly. There's no way. So like... I, just me being a science person, I've, I've read the studies and I am confident in the efficacy, very confident in the efficacy on whether or not this vaccine actually works or these vaccines, I should say, actually work. Um, but with safety, I'm confident in the short term safety data, right? Because they've been doing this testing longer than what people actually um, know about. No, so I think people think they started doing um, the research and development of this these vaccines like in the summer or maybe in the spring but in all actuality they started developing these vaccines before we even knew about coronavirus in response to the SARS um, epidemic that was seen a couple of Mm -hmm. years ago and so um, it's not brand new like this is something that's kind of been in the works but of course they have to put a rush on it given the pandemic that we're dealing with now with COVID-19 and so um, confident in the efficacy 
relatively confident in the short-term side effects, but there's no way for us to know the long-term side effects. And, you know, me being a young single woman with, you know, aspirations to one day be a mother, my biggest concern is, you know, you see what a lot of drugs, well, I shouldn't say a lot, but there are a number of drugs that have teratogenic risks. Mm. So that means if you take them, there's a risk of like, let's say you become pregnant while taking them or you plan on becoming pregnant soon and you're taking that said medication, um, there's a risk for developmental issues with a fetus if you take them. But it takes years of data to know that. I will say you don't typically see that with vaccines. You do see that often with meds and it's required by the FDA if that is seen, that it's labeled that way so that patients um, are aware and they're able to kind of assess for themselves with their providers whether or not it's worth the risk compared to the benefit. Um, so just, you know, me just, I mean, I'm at the age, I'm 32. So like, I'm, I'm looking at my watch every day, like 35 is around the corner. I'm gonna have to start freezing my eggs. Right. So I was, <laughs> I was very hesitant because like, I don't, you know, just me being kind of ignorant. I'm like, well, we don't know the long-term effects. Like that data won't be available until hell 15. And I don't want to get the vaccine to have midget babies, but it's but like, have, what's what's baby? and this is, midget babies <laughs> you're not supposed to say that no offense to anyone uh, but and this is just me being transparent but I'll be honest with you like when I seen that it was a possibility that these vaccines were going to get approved and get approved soon I hadn't even taken the time out to read the studies myself right. you know what I mean like I didn't know much I just heard that they were effective I didn't know the actual percentages I didn't read the details I didn't know anything about the population um of those that participated in the study. Um, I didn't know any of that information. So all I knew was the risk that we don't know, right? Which is the long-term effects. And I knew nothing about the benefits. So let me get vaccinated. So they start rolling it out Mm. in my job and it it became available for um, staff. And I work in the pharmacy and we are pretty much managing the vaccination and so uh, my boss's boss who's the director of pharmacy like she's taking full lead on this as a project and so every day she will come in and ask different staff members like you know there's a spot available do you want to go get vaccinated and you know a lot of my people were willing like yes please like you know almost begging to go get vaccinated and I'm like you aren't you don't have any reservations and like some people would admit to some but then some people were like but I actually read the study uh, and so I'm like, okay, I don't want to be an ignorant person. I actually like in my own friend group, I always say like, okay, I respect your decision, but make sure you make an informed decision. And I, I really stand mm-hmm. on that. And so I felt myself in that instance, you know, making the decision without being informed. And so I took the time to read through the study um, for Pfizer, which is um, the manufacturer that we have at my job. Um, there's two manufacturers that were recently approved so it's Moderna Mm -hmm. and Pfizer and I was just looking at the data and I started to do more research on what's going on with COVID-19 and I had to take a step back and think about like okay what is my biggest concern and my biggest concern was long-term effects specifically as it relates to potentially becoming pregnant 
But if you read the information on COVID-19 itself, no, we don't yeah. know the long-term effects of COVID-19. So, like, they talk about these young 20, 30, 40-year-old individuals who contracted the virus, and now they have, like, blood clotting issues, and they've had strokes, and they, you know, they've had, like, all of these detrimental events happen as a result of getting the vaccine, and we don't know. So, even those who got the, or not getting the vaccine, sorry, getting, COVID. getting yeah. the virus itself, and though even those who have been asymptomatic, we don't know what that is going to mean for them 10 to 15 years from now. And I use this example with my friends. So HPV, it stands for human, human papillona, papillona virus. I'm probably mispronouncing that. Um, but HPV is usually... Um, contracted sexually so it's kind of like an scd but like not your typical scds that you right. hear about all the time um and it's something that's been around for a very long time it's technically incurable right now but there is a vaccine for it and the long-term effects of having hpv and most women should know this by now if you do your every three-year um, pap smear is cervical cancer that's what they're checking for when you're getting your pap smear so you having contracted HPV, say, as a young adult or as a teenager, puts you at a higher risk just based on what the data shows of contracting or developing cervical cancer years from now. Now, does that mean that you're guaranteed to die of cervical cancer? No, but does it increase your risk of having cervical cancer? Absolutely. And that's the virus itself. So when you talk about risk versus benefits, is it more risky of me catching HPV and possibly getting cervical cancer, which is very, very hard to combat? Versus me getting a vaccine that is proven to prevent me contracting HPV and potentially having some mild side effects to that said vaccine. It's kind of the same situation or that's how I approach the COVID-19, um, the COVID mm -hmm. vaccine versus mm -hmm. contracting COVID-19 itself. Um, no, I don't know the long term effects of vaccines, but I do know how vaccines are developed and I do know how they work in the body. And just based on that information, I know that the risk of a long term effect from a vaccine is relatively low. But obviously we don't know for sure. And it's going to take years for us to know. Um, but we do know that this virus is something that we've never mm -hmm. seen before. And the short term effects are so all over the place and can be so detrimental and are having lasting effects on people months after contracting the virus that we also don't know the long-term effects of right. this virus and so for me it was definitely risk versus benefit and I thought me personally I felt it was more beneficial for me to protect myself from getting the virus mm -hmm. ultimately and who can receive the vaccine like everybody can receive the vaccine itself for like kids right now right um, so with Pfizer, um, they are currently doing testing in individuals. I get this mixed up. So for Pfizer, I think it's approved for 17 and up. And then maybe Moderna is currently doing testing to get it approved for ages 12 mm -hmm. and up. Um, but currently it's only approved for the lowest age 17. But I think in the soon come, we'll probably see it approved for, you know, a little younger, like teenage, adolescent ages um but i might have which manufacturer i mentioned mixed up it's either pfizer or moderna one of them is currently mm -hmm. testing for ages 12 now can you walk us through you receiving the first shot yep so um it literally i had made a decision let's say it was a two it was a tuesday i was like you know what okay when offered the opportunity to get the vaccine again i'm going to take it after doing my research 
Wednesday morning, our director of pharmacy came in and was like, you want to go get your shot? And I'm like, uh, yeah, I guess so. Um, and so I went down there. I was super, super nervous. And um, I had to check in. Like, there's a whole process. Everything has to be thoroughly mm-hmm. documented. Um, I got the vaccine. I will say I am not good with needles, even though I used to administer vaccines. Um, usually shots I do okay with. I hate getting my blood drawn because the needle mm-hmm. is usually thicker. Um, I got the shot and literally did not feel it going in mm. whatsoever. The needle was so small that you barely feel it. It's, in terms of just like pain during administration this is the best um, vaccine I've ever received and I'm not getting paid by Pfizer nor Moderna so like I'm not flexing <laughs> like <laughs> it literally like you don't feel mm-hmm. it at all and it is actually required by both manufacturers after you receive the vaccine that you sit and you're monitored for 15 minutes so I got it quick didn't even feel it and then I sat down um and I you know I was monitored for 15 minutes I didn't have any side effects and I went on about my day. Um, I want to say by the next morning, so less than 24 hours later, let's say 18 hours later, my arm was incredibly mm. sore. Um, with the tetanus shot, usually, like when I used to administer vaccines, I would always tell pa- patients, you know, if they didn't know which arm to get it in, I always say get it in your dominant arm because this one tends to be painful and you usually feel it the next day. So get it in your dominant arm because that's the arm that you're going to move more and that's going to help work out that pain quicker. Um, and so the tetanus shot can be painful usually by the next day. This, the COVID vaccine, at least my experience with the Pfizer manufacturer, it was very painful oh, wow. the next day. Like it felt like I was lifting heavy weights in that one arm for days um I could barely lift it so um pain at the injection site um about 18 hours later and that lasted pretty much that entire next day um and then that went away and that was it I didn't experience any other side effects whatsoever and how long did you have to wait before you received the second shot so with Pfizer is um mandatory that you receive the second dose within 17 to 24 mm-hmm. days you um, at least at my job it's scheduled right exactly on day 21 um but for me i had actually had a trip planned um it would have been 23 days after i received the vaccine and of course me being who i am i had done a lot of research and i saw that a number of people received um did experience a lot of side effects after the second dose and so I didn't want to feel like that while traveling. So I had actually got mine rescheduled and received it 20 days after receiving the first dose. So I could have at least three days to recover before I left. And how was the town. side effects with the second dose? So, and I'm so happy because I know originally. You were I know you made me a little nervous because you was like, just wait for after the second shot because symptoms are going to be a little bit worse. And I'm like, what you mean? <laughs> yeah. well, and that's what I had. And that's what I heard. And like, you know, just me, just knowing like how mild my symptoms were with the first dose. Like all I had was like, you know, pain at the injection site. Um, I was thinking like, I'm not going to experience all of the, you know, the fevers and the chills and the muscle aches. And everything. I'm like, people are exaggerating. There's no way they're experiencing all of this from a vaccine. So day 20, um, I got dose two and um, I mm-hmm. got it like midday. It was like 12 noon, um, almost to the minute. 
and um, it has snowed here where I live that day. So I got the shot um, by, I leave every day at four. So by the time I left, I started to feel pain in my arm. And that was different from the first shot because the first shot, I didn't feel it until the next day. So about 18 hours later. Um, the second dose, I felt it about four hours later. Um, and it was it was painful. Like I could still move my arm. It wasn't as painful as it felt the next day with the first dose. But I definitely started to feel it um, a lot sooner. Um, so it had snowed. I came home. Um, and I had to shovel the snow and I have a, a pretty long driveway. So, you know, I was doing that and I started to feel really fatigued, but I didn't know if it was from, you know, me doing the snow or if it was from the shot, it was really kind of hard for me to say for certain. Um, and so I finished up doing the snow. I went to go grab something to eat. And then by the time I got home, I was like, I mm. am exhausted. It was probably only like 8 30, 9 o'clock. And usually I don't start winding down until about 10 30. But like I felt like I need to go to bed and I need to go to bed <laughs> now. So extremely. Um, and so I went to sleep and my arm is getting, you know, increasingly more painful. Um, I went to sleep the next morning. Like I remember my alarm clock going up, going off, and me waking up, and I'm like, there's no way I'm supposed to get up right now. I was like literally like sat up and looked at my alarm. I'm like, I at least at minimum need another mm. 10 hours of sleep. Like I was so tired. And so my arm, I could barely even move it. Like I could like I needed to get in the shower. I could barely take off my the shirt that I had slept in because my arm was so painful. And I was just so groggy. I was so, so tired. Um, I was a trooper though, and I went to work and I I was kind of like explaining to my colleague, I have a, a office mate that I share a space with that like, I'm useless today. Like, and you'll hear this from a num number of people that report side effects with the second dose. But like, I just had like this mm -hmm. foggy brain, like I could concentrate to save my life. I was extremely tired. Like all I wanted to do, like if I could have it my way is just put my head down on my desk and like literally take a five hour nap. Um, And that was my day, the most of the most of the day the following day at work just extremely tired um very difficult for me to concentrate by the end of the day so like the second half of my work day the next day I started to feel mm. very stiff so I wouldn't say full-on like muscle aches but like I was just feeling very uncomfortable very very stiff extremely tired um I just wasn't feeling like myself um so I definitely was like counting down the clocks like waiting to get off mm. work so I can go home by the time I got home, so this is maybe about at least 18 hours after I received the second dose, I felt like shit. I like literally, I felt Why you just horrible. Like, I just so we could so my job just because the instance of these side effects are so high with the second dose they do offer you at least two days to leave but i had already had this trip planned i was already like taking off of work and just me i think i'm a gangster i just feel like right. you know i'm a g i can go to work i can handle well you always been like um that. <laughs> you know <laughs> but hindsight like i definitely would have and a number of my colleagues did legitimately had to stay home because you know they were just out of it and and i will say some of my colleagues they got it like my my boss she got her second dose and she didn't feel anything literally nothing like barely felt any pain in her arm um so i it 
really, I mean, everyone responds differently and there's really, it, it doesn't appear to be any rhyme or reason to like how people respond, like why some people respond more severely to the second mm-hmm. dose versus other people. But like when I tell you, like people were asking me like, how do you feel? How do you feel? I'm like, oh, I'm just a little tired, but I'm good. I'm good. 18 hours in and I'm just like, look, I felt like I got into a fight oh, with my wow. grandmother. Like literally, like I felt like I got hit by a bus, like full on body aches, um, I had like a mild fever. Um, the fatigue just continued to carry on. Headache, um, chills. Literally every side effect right. of the list. <laughs> I feel like I had. My arm was so painful. I literally could not move it. I was pretty much bed bound from the time that I got home until I fell asleep. Um, and so this is now about um, thirty six hours later that I'm feeling this way. Um, so I went to bed early that night. I probably was knocked out by like eight thirty nine. Slept really well throughout the night. I didn't wake up, and then when I woke up the next day, I literally mm. felt like nothing ever happened. So by forty eight hours later, I felt like nothing ever happened. Like I didn't feel any pain in my arm. All of the symptoms that I was experiencing, literally the night before, all of them subsided. I didn't feel anything. How do you know later. if you were injected with the um with the vaccine? Um, well, I have confidence <laughs> in that just because, like, we literally uh, mm-hmm. distribute the vaccine. Like, it comes from pharmacy, and we're the ones drawing it up. Um, so I just have faith in my staff that I'm actually receiving the vaccine. I guess, like, I don't, I can't say for certain that what we receive from the manufacturer is the vaccine. But I will say this: the side effects that I experienced with that second dose are verbatim what is listed as side effects Mm. to the vaccine so it's like it received the vaccine i don't know what the hell i received but it wasn't water and it wasn't saline because i responded to something and do you know what's in the vaccine yep so um i can't say exactly verbatim like everything that's in it um but you can't this up online it is literally just mrna which is a molecule and it is kind of complicated but it's literally just a molecule that all of our bodies have, but this molecule specifically is like a messenger molecule that kind of tells the rest of your cells what they need to do in order yeah. for your cells to kind of function. So it, it kind of transcribes messages to different parts of your cells and like your cells responds based on that information that's, re- that's provided. So it's literally just mRNA and then um, like a couple of other like, preservatives and like proteins like there are way more additives in other vaccines that people receive routinely and probably got as a kid than there Mm. are with the COVID vaccine and all the information is available so like if anyone wants to check to see what's exactly included in the vaccine that information is available on both manufacturers websites hell I'm sure you can just google it and the information is is there there. a time period like will the vaccine will it always be in your body or does it wears off over time so that's one thing that they can't say yet. And so obviously the vaccine was rushed and there's a reason behind that. And like, it, this isn't the first time that you get, got this expedited approval for the vaccine. Um, this has happened with medications too. And they do that when they determine that it's effective and what it's used to treat or combat um, puts people at, at a greater risk of death or adverse events. 
Um, so it's kind of like an ethical decision that the FDA makes. Like, do we do we withhold this and continue to extend, you know, extend out this testing process when we know that this could potentially mm. save lives? Like, do do we extend this just so we can say for certain that these are the long term effects and people die when we know that this could have prevented their death? Or do we rush this approval so that we could potentially save lives? So you see that with medications all the time, medications for, you know, cancer, a lot of chemotherapy gets approved, you know, expeditiously because they know that it could potentially prolong, you know, the life expectancy for some of the patients and heart meds, et cetera. So they got this expedited approval for the vaccine um, for that reason, but we won't know. So when I talked about the tetanus shot and those titers that kind of determine the levels of antibodies in our body, um, that will amount a response necessary to combat the virus. We won't know that until they're able to test titers in people who have received both doses, you know, months later, years later. Um, and so just based on what they know about COVID, also taking into account that we are starting to see mm-hmm. mutations um, and comparing it to what we see with other viruses that we get routine vaccines vaccines for. For example, influenza, the flu. We know that we have to get a shot every year, you know, just because the strains constantly change and, you know, it's all a prediction and et cetera. So um, they don't know for certain, um, just with my knowledge about vaccines and how virus I wouldn't be surprised if we at the least are required to get a booster some mm-hmm. period of time later. Um, I'm praying what I'm praying doesn't happen or what isn't necessary is that we have to go through these two doses mm. every year because you're going to see a lot of people having to take off of work, you know. So does this mean that you are um, immune to the virus since you um, have the vaccine? No. So it doesn't mean that I'm immune to the virus. So what the data shows is the Pfizer vaccine, you are you have a 95% less likely chance of contracting the virus, which means that you still have a 5% chance of contracting it. And with Moderna, I think it's like 94 or 94.5 or something like that. So that means I reduce my I was going to make a little joke, but I'm going to keep it to myself. <laughs> what were you going to say? I was like, it's not like getting pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> right, it is. Exactly. <laughs> If you take your birth control, you reduce your chances of getting pregnant. Now, can we say there are people who have been taking the birth control and they still ended up pregnant? Absolutely, but not that often. So that's that's what they're saying with the virus. That's what the data shows. So um, by me having received both, so with one dose with Pfizer, you reduce your chance by 85%. But then with both doses, you reduce your dose in total by 95% theoretically. So again, there's still a 5% chance that I receive it. Um, that I can contract COVID-19. And so for me, in deciding whether or not I wanted to get um, the vaccine or receive the vaccine, that was one thing I had considered. I mean, there's a 95% chance that if I get this vaccine, I won't contract COVID. Well, I mean, that sounds very appealing to me. Um, So no, am I immune to it? Not necessarily, but it significantly reduces my chance of getting it. So what are your thoughts on the media stating that people are dying from the vaccine? So I know there's one individual, it was a doctor, believe it or not, in Florida that died like two weeks after receiving the first dose, if I'm not mistaken. It was either the first dose or the second dose. Um, That was alarming. Um, And I had gotten, I had heard about that story maybe like a day or two after 
was it a day or two before I got mine or maybe a day or two after? Nonetheless, it was like very close to me receiving the um, first dose. And so, I mean, no one wants to hear that because we know that there's so many unknowns with the virus and with the vaccine itself. But what from what I was able to collect behind that story is that, yes, that event happened. If I'm not mistaken, it was like a bleeding event. Like he wasn't able to clot properly shortly after receiving the vaccine. And then I think he might have had like an aneurysm or something in his brain. Um, Don't quote me. But mm. they can't say for certain that what happened with that doctor which is very tragic and very unfortunate was a result of him receiving the vaccine and that is something that you know we're going to have to watch and be careful with too like for example obviously now that they're actually vaccinating the general public so of course first responders have received their vaccines healthcare workers have received their vaccine and now they're um they're administering the vaccine to um the general public those over the age of 65 and those who are high risk. So those with a list of medical conditions, Mm -hmm. um, we have to just know that yes, these people are at highest risk when it comes to contracting the virus. So they are at the top priority of receiving the vaccine, but also know that these people have high risk conditions. Mm -hmm. So if a person receives the vaccine and unfortunately, let's say they have a heart attack, Well, if they have a history of heart disease, we can't say for certain that they had a heart attack because they received this vaccine. You know what I mean? So that's what's going to be very, very difficult to kind of assess. But, you know, we need so that's the data that we need to collect. And we won't know that until we get more people vaccinated so we can say for certain, okay, this is a result of the vaccine versus like this is just, you know, the natural progression of this person's life and this person's health, unfortunately. So now that you receive the vaccine, are you advocating for it? Like, are you going to spread the word and like? I, so I say this, I advocate for making an informed decision Mm -hmm. and being educated and not just because what I see and hear from a lot of just anti-vaccinators in general, and like, these are the people who like don't support the flu shot, et cetera. Um, They hear from a person who read some blog somewhere that talked about all of these issues and all of this crazy stuff with these vaccines and why you shouldn't support them, why you shouldn't um, get your kids vaccinated and why you shouldn't be vaccinated yourself. But who gives this person the credentials to determine that this is unsafe? You know what I mean? Like, what is their background to make them an expert in this subject matter so you have to be careful i feel like if you're going to do research you also have to research who you're re- you know where you're getting your your information from and where you're getting your research from mm-hmm. and make sure it's a reputable source and double check their credentials like if some school teacher in you know what i'm saying montana who grew up on a farm somewhere is saying that this vaccine causes i don't know scoliosis and then everybody runs with it. It's like, well, who is this person? How does she know that? Like, what makes her expert to determine that this vaccine causes scoliosis? And so I think it's so easy now with the internet and social media and blog sites and podcasts, et cetera, where you can get a little bit of information and this person may speak very well and it sounds legitimate and it might not have no validity whatsoever. And so I advocate educating yourself and making an informed decision. Decision. I 100% respect people's decision not to get vaccinated because, I mean, I have reservations myself 
we don't know the long term long term effects. Right. But make sure you make that decision after doing your own research and you're not ignorantly deciding against it. Because I mean, not only are you potentially protecting your own life, but you're protecting the lives of those around you by becoming vaccinated. Well, I was gonna have a question about what's your advice, but I think you pretty much summed it up. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I am like I think this was a great interview. This interview made me made me um remember how smart you were. I always knew you were smart, but I forgot yeah. how you like really smart because I remember us being in college and you studying all this chemistry and science and shit. So I'm just like, girl, why I did I do that? Why and we I was doing a lot in college. I should have been an engineer. <laughs> We were doing a lot. I do miss those days. So. Me too. Hopefully, when the world opens back up in the next year or two, I'll be down there for homecoming. Yes, girl. And New York is yes. on my bucket list. I feel ashamed and embarrassed that I haven't been there yet, but it's definitely on my bucket list of places yes, to visit. Yes, please do. Please hit me up so we can hang out, get drunk, and reminisce. <laughs> Yes, girl. Like the college days. If y'all have any questions, <laughs> comments, or concerns, please make sure to email me at hello at the phcpodcast.com. And until next time, everyone, later. Got my Prevnar 20 shot. It's a pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. For us wise folks, it helps protect. I'm 19, strong. And asthmatic and at higher risk. Get vaccinated, but, but nothing when grandma speaks. Grandson listens. 19 or older with chronic conditions like asthma, diabetes, or chronic heart disease, or 65 plus, you may be at higher risk for pneumococcal pneumonia. Prevnar 20 can help protect you with just one dose. Prevnar 20 is approved for adults to help prevent infections from 20 strains of the bacteria that cause pneumococcal pneumonia. Continued approval may depend on a supportive study. Don't get Prevnar 20 if you've had a severe allergic reaction to the vaccine or its ingredients. Adults with weakened immune systems may have a lower response to the vaccine. Side effects include pain and swelling at the injection site, fatigue, headache, muscle, and joint pain. For full prescribing information, please call 1-855-213-2138 or visit Prevnar20.com. Ask your doctor or pharmacist about getting vaccinated with Prevnar20, even if you've already received another pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. AT&T Connects and Ode to Podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower, lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your your perfect home sweet home.